Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are so excited to discuss our weekend at the IndyCar Laguna Seca season finale this past weekend. We just had the absolute best time with Aero McLaren and IndyCar generally. The racing is amazing. It's such an accessible, friendly, welcoming environment. We just had the best time and cannot wait to recap it. Then we will do a quick Singapore Grand Prix preview to get ready for the Asia Swing starting this weekend. So let's jump right in. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. First, we have to give shout outs to the amazing people at Aero McLaren and Indy who made this weekend so great. Lauren, Curtis, and Steve at McLaren and Priscilla and Kate at Indy. What are everyone's main takeaways? For me, I think I came away from this thinking that Indy is just such an exciting series. There's unreal wheel-to-wheel action. It was just such an action-packed race and weekend overall. There were eight caution periods during the race. There was <laughs> so much going on. And it also seemed super accessible and fun from a fan and spectator spectator perspective. And again, just the wheel-to-wheel racing, like three cars wide several times as a regular occurrence is just wild compared to F1. Yeah, the racing was really cool, and we'll talk about all the red flags and craziness. Mm -hmm. My mom came, and she was like, so why is most of the race behind this red Honda? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that, but cannot do justice the level of access and quality of the fan experience at Indy. It's just such a fun, lively, welcoming environment, like we said, and for us, just from getting to sit down with Jamie Chadwick to being thrown into the media bullpen action and being along for the ride with all the incredible McLaren team members, we just really felt like part of the indie family, which was so fun. So just the biggest thank you to everybody. And again, like Sarah said, the racing was just top notch. So excited to chat. Yeah, I'm going to echo all of that. The vibes were just great, like walking around before the race started, everything that was going on. It was just fun all around. And yeah, I'm just going to echo what you guys said because it was great. Before we dive into all the things that happened for us over the weekend, we'll give you a super quick high-level IndyCar overview. So it's one of the premier racing series in the world. It's home to the famous Indy 500. The 2023 season, so this season, had 17 races throughout the U.S. There's Indy races on ovals, road courses, more like a classic F1 track, street circuits, and there's 37 drivers this season. There's also the Indy Next Series, which is like the supporting series for up-and-coming talent. That's what Jamie Chadwick is driving in. And like F1, the Indy cars look very similar. They're single-seater, open-wheel cars, and they look, like I said, very similar, but there's a few key differences. One, all cars in Indy have the same chassis from the same manufacturer, and there were only two engine manufacturers, Chevy and Honda, which is cool because Chevy and Honda kind of like go head-to-head in the Constructors' Championship, so to speak. Roman Grosjean, who used to drive for F1, who now drives for Indy, said that the Indy cars are much easier to adjust to suit your driving style, whereas F1, you're kind of more stuck with the car concept if it doesn't fit your style. And the flat-out top speed in Indy is higher. It was insane. They go well over 230, 230 miles per hour, but F1, like, cars can take corners better, so the overall speed might be a little bit faster an F1 for these classic non-oval tracks. 
Some other interesting differences. So refueling is allowed during IndyCar pit Crazy. stops, which is insane. We saw all the fuel hoses and stuff. Um, Indy engines are not hybrid, and the cars also do not have power steering, which F1 cars do. Indy does not have DRS either, but it does have a function called push to pass for an extra horsepower boost. And as we talk about the weekend, we'll talk about some of the other big differences in quality format, wheel-to-wheel racing, all of that stuff. And in terms of the drivers, so Indy has a lot of American drivers, as you'd expect, but also has a lot of international drivers. So for example, the top six drivers this year were from Spain, the UK, Mexico, the US, and Sweden. And there is, as we have kind of alluded to, some F1 crossover. So Roman Grosjean, who many of you know and love, is an IndyCar driver now. Marcus Erickson, who previously drove an F1 for Sauber for five years, is also a top driver. Aero McLaren driver Alex Rossi was actually the last American to drive an F1 before Logan for Marussia in 2015. And Jamie Chadwick, who we had the pleasure of speaking with, competes in Indy Next, and she is a Williams Racing Academy driver. And there are several Indy drivers who have done F1 tests or otherwise just been in the F1 conversation, as many of you know, which is super exciting. And interestingly, McLaren is the only F1 team with an IndyCar team. It's called Aero McLaren. It's one of the top teams with Pato Award, Alex Rossi, and young star David Malukas now joining for 2024. And there's some overlap between the IndyCar team and the F1 team within the organization. As we saw this weekend, Zach Brown is very involved in IndyCar. We saw him up on the McLaren stand with the race engineers and strategists for every session, headset on, very committed. And some of the awesome McLaren people we met also work for the F1 side as well. Pato Award, he finished fourth in the Indy Championship this year. He's the big McLaren star. He's going to do at least one FP1 for McLaren and F1 this fall. He's also going to attend several Grand Prix with the team, including uh, the Mexico Grand Prix, and then both American races. So look out for him at those. It was funny. We asked him in the media bullpen the difference or what it's like switching from an Indy car to an F1 car because Pato has been in an F1 car many times. And he was like, the first thing you do is you look down as soon as you're braking because it's so much, it's so fast. It's so crazy. It's just so full out. So it's so funny to like think about even though the racing in Indy and the cars are pretty similar, it's just like it's a totally different ball game. Definitely. And one interesting current Indy drama is the two-time champion Alex Pillow. He was a reserve driver for McLaren F1 this year. He had agreed to drive for McLaren in Indy in 2024, but he backed out of that to stay with his current team. So there is already a legal fight about that. So talking about what we did this weekend, it was really amazing. Friday was media day. Sadly, Sarah got lost in the United shuffle at the Newark airport. So Tiggy and I had to take Friday (laughs) alone, but we got to interview Jamie, which was really, really amazing over at the Andretti area. And then we got to go to the official media bullpen and talk to basically all these drivers. Starting with Jamie, this was so cool. We did this in the Andretti hospitality uh, area with her and she is just so effortlessly cool. We already released the episode with her. um, So check that out. It's the episode before this. 
but you'll hear lots of good things about kind of all the series she's been a part of. She's a Williams Academy uh, racing or Williams Racing Academy driver. So she's had some time to develop in that environment. Obviously, she absolutely dominated the W Series, but she was just so friendly, nice, easy to talk to. It was incredible. And then, like Chessa said, we got to go over to the media pen and talk to a ton of different drivers. And it's kind of chaos in like a good way where they're kind of shuffling these drivers in in shifts. So, you know, for 10 to 15 minutes, you have these three drivers and then the next 10 minutes you have these five and so on and so forth. And people are kind of just sending drivers to you and you got to be ready to ask questions and talk to them and get them on camera or whatever you're trying to do. So Chessa and I had a ton of fun asking them our classic hot take questions as well as asking them about season highlights and things more specific to Indy in the weekend. But it was such a blast. Chessa, did you have a a favorite driver we talked to? I love talking to Pato because we talked about his favorite Mexican candy. <laughs> Amarindo. <laughs> Which is also my favorite, so it was really nice. Yeah, that was great. I loved just meeting some American drivers too. We talked to Joseph Newgarten, which was really cool. And as we, as you'll see in our vlog, um, we heard the national anthem, which we don't typically hear during an F1 oh, weekend. Good. So that was funny. Definitely a lot of American vibes. The one thing I'll add about the interviews was that we kept asking the drivers if they had any fun plans for the off season, and like no one really had plans. If I was one that of the true? drivers, I'd I feel like, like Joseph's going to Japan. Scott McLaughlin's going to Europe. I feel like some yeah. Of them I guess they had plans, stuff. but they weren't like jumping to talk about them. I guess their lives are already super cool. But if I had like a cool vacation lined up, I'd be like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> they probably don't want to advertise that they're like taking time off, you know. Got to get, get right true. back to it. <laughs> they got to plan their Instagram about recharging the batteries and getting back exactly. to the gym. I wonder if that extends to IndyCar. We should well, monitor we'll see. that. We'll we'll have to investigate. And then we got to walk around and explore, which was really fun. One amazing thing about Indy is that the drivers, including all the big stars like Pato, do autograph signing sessions with the fans. So this was very cool to see on Friday afternoon. So many cute kids. Pato was really great with the fans. And another huge difference from F1 that we noticed is the pits, paddock, hospitality, that whole setup. So one huge difference is in F1, the pits and paddock and hospitality setup is super different. So in F1, there's the big hospitality setup in the paddock and then the garage slash pit slash engineering meeting rooms are one other setup. And obviously the pits and garage are, are connected. So really the drivers only have to go between two places. But in Indy, it's very different. There's hospitality and RVs in one area. Then there's a big open paddock area with trailers and garage setups, which is open to fans. And then there's the pit lane setup actually on the pit lane. So tons of drivers are on electric scooters trying to get where they're going, which is funny, just zooming around. And Zach Brown skirting around in his golf cart as well. <laughs> yes. And the paddock area, again, is open to fans. So fans can legit walk around, see the cars being rolled to the grid, see people coming and going from the trailers, complete with uh, team member sneakers tucked in the side pods of the cars as they're being rolled to the grid, <laughs> team members sitting on the side of the cars while they get towed by little trailers, things you would just <laughs> never awesome. – see in F1. Overall, it just feels much more 
open and accessible to spectators, which is awesome to see. Yeah, totally agree. One thing that was really cool that we got to do was we got to go to the media center to watch Zach Brown and the McLaren Indy racing director do a press conference with David Malukas, who we mentioned is the young star who is their new driver for next year. And we were just blown away. I mean, I think we see this a lot with F1 drivers too and how media trained they are, but he was just so well-spoken. He had this one line that we all looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, was that planted? Turns out it wasn't. (laughs) He came up with it on his own. He was like, everything looks brighter in papaya. It sounds kind of silly recounting it now, but you had to be there. It was great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Interestingly, he did get asked about F1 ambitions, which the reporter kind of joked uh, about all McLaren Indy drivers getting asked that because obviously they have teams across so many different series, including F1. But David said that he was fully focused on Indy but wouldn't write off F1 for the future. Um, He is only 21, so definitely keep an eye out for him as we go forward. But it's super cool to see that press conference and just the coordination, like the whole McLaren team was there standing there and it just, it was very smooth. So very cool. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. And then one thing that we got to do for the rest of the day, too, was for practice, we went to the pits, which we ended up doing all weekend, but definitely on Friday, we were a little bit starstruck that we were just standing basically next to the mechanics during practice. And then they let us sit up on the owner stand, which is basically just like a little bit higher up in the pits. You put headphones in and you can hear all the internal comms between the driver and their engineers. The level of technical expertise that the drivers need is insane. Think about everything that they would need in F1. Plus they have like this entire entire internal strategy going in their heads about conserving fuel and when to refuel as well. It was really amazing just to see all of the actions. It was um, definitely ended up being a very crazy and chaotic weekend. And it started off really well on Friday when we got to see all of the action. And then, yeah, we we left for the day. Shout out to the amazing parking logistics situation at IndyCar. It was great. And then we had a really nice dinner with our friend Michaela over at She Loves F1. Then on Saturday, we were in McLaren Hospitality, and we got to see the McLaren Felix surprise poll, which was awesome. First, we got to listen to a Q&A with Alex Rossi before Quali, which was really fascinating. He's from California, and a lot of his key racing moments growing up were at the Laguna Seca track. Also, it was just so different and fun to get to hear a driver talk about being from the U.S., talk about the importance of a U.S. track in their career. Overall, from everyone we talked to this weekend, they just absolutely love this track at Laguna Seca. There's a series of crazy turns called the Corkscrew. Definitely Google videos of that. People just love the racing here. 
Alex was talking about how the track got resurfaced this year. So definitely something we hear about in F1 as well. So he said part of why there were so many red flags and offs in practice already as of Saturday was because people needed to figure out the limits, were able to push much harder with the increased grip. Alex also said there was little to no margin for error because the cars are now so loaded in the corners that it's really hard to catch kind of any tiny mistakes. And the performance difference from the resurfacing was crazy already just in practice. The track record had kind of unofficially been broken just in practice, even though it had been in place for over 25 years. And Alex's another kind of interesting fact, Alex's race engineer had COVID. So sadly, Alex had to work with him remotely while the engineer was in the hotel, but the engineer was kind of still working and getting patched through, which was interesting. Crazy. Then we went back to the pits to watch Quali, and Quali is a different format that is super interesting. So Quali for ovals is a bit different, but for Quali on road tracks or street circuits, which is what we were at, the cars start out in two groups, sort of like Q1, but it's split into two groups. And then the top six cars from both of those groups advance, and then the new combined group of 12 compete, and the top six from that group go through to the final round. So like having Q3, but only with six cars. In the pits, this is what's kind of cool and crazy. The pits are set up very differently from F1. And the, the pits are by car, not by team. And they're ordered up in the line of the last race results. So the teams aren't grouped together. And all, the, all their drivers have their own individual pit stations, which is kind of crazy. So different radios, different screens, different crew, all of that. Um, so we were actually at Felix uh, Felix's station during his surprise pole position for the last race, for his last race with McLaren before he switches teams. So that was super exciting. We got to see the celebration of the team, everybody cheering and the pit crews high-fiving each other. So that was super, super cool. Yeah, it was definitely a good way to end the day and definitely an exciting way to start the day on Sunday, which we started off in McLaren Hospitality, great food. To Sarah's great joy, there was also an amazing espresso machine, so she must have had like 15 iced coffees. (laughs) (laughs) After having an affogato the night before. (laughs) (laughs) Never enough coffee. I got to meet Zach Brown quickly uh, getting coffee in the morning. He also seems to be a big coffee drinker, so that's great for him. Uh, He was very friendly and nice, exactly kind of the same persona you'd expect. He said he's excited for the Asia Swing with the F1 team. I was talking about how great Oscar is. He, of course, agreed. So that was a fun way to start the day. Yeah, it was great. And then um, we got the surprise of a lifetime when they let us just go over to the grid. They gave us our credentials and we walked the grid. Obviously, we've never done that before. We got to see all of the cars being wheeled out, mechanics working on the cars, plugging in computers, running tests. And then the drivers came out to start to get ready for the race. And we definitely did feel like Martin Brundle. There was like a million people <laughs> running around. We were trying to take pictures. Grosjean, we, we kind of hung out a lot at Grosjean's area. He took a huge selfie with all of his mechanics. And weirdly fun fact, um, he put his earpieces in his mouth before putting them in his ears. You're People do that to, like, get a really good seal on on the sound coming in. It was really yeah. strange to watch live, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, we Then we hung out at Bato's car for a little bit, and he was taking photos of people, and his family was there and talking to them about the car. And this definitely just put the discussion of the F1 grid issue, like, the grid chaos into perspective. Like, this, the F1 grid is probably 10 times more chaotic, but we definitely felt the the pressure that the drivers must feel. Yeah, I can't imagine just thinking about 
Pato, he was being so nice, talking to people, taking photos with people, being so gracious. And he was standing next to his car trying to get kind of his suit fully on, get into the car. I just can't imagine kind of the how quickly they have to snap from being on the grid with so many people and in such cast to getting in the car and being like, okay, race start. And as soon as they are fired up and they say, drivers, start your engines, they are off. Like it's there's much less of a lead time than F1 has. Yeah. At one point I heard him say to someone, sorry, I have to go, but it's like, he has no, nowhere to go. Like he just has to get in his car and there's, there's nowhere for them to like get into a focused mode until people start getting ushered off the grid, which is so interesting. Um, then we went back to the McLaren pits for the race and it was, it was chaos. This race, Pato later said it was like a Vegas casino with the amount of luck that played into it. There were eight different caution periods. That's kind of the equivalent of a safety car. So think about an F1 race with eight safety cars, which is crazy, Um, which is where my mom's comment came in. Like, why are they all driving behind this car? Um, But sadly, McLaren got some of that bad luck, including with a broken part during a Felix pit stop. And just a quick note on the pit stops, they're super different. They take more like seven or eight seconds. And there are several reasons for that. Grosjean actually has a great YouTube video on this if you want to check that out. But like we said before, Indy cars can be refueled during pit stops, which is a huge difference. And that takes about seven seconds. And in F1, there's about 15 mechanics, three per wheel. And Indy is a much lighter crew and there's only one mechanic per wheel. So it's definitely a little bit slower. And the race podium ended up being Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin, and Alex Pillow, who had already cinched the title for this year. So they did a little bit of a Alex Pillow celebration after the race, giving him the trophy and celebrating him. And then they all came over and did the podium celebration, which was cool. Which we could not hang for. <laughs> the second the champagne got near us, we just like ducked to the ground. We were like, we don't want this anymore. So funny. Before we wrap up the indie recap, something that we talked to Pato about in the media bullpen was a highlight of a season. And he was like, oh, I talked to someone else last week about, and they asked me my rose and my thorn. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what was your rose and your thorn of the weekend? Oh, that's a good one. Mine's pretty easy because it's very obvious. My thorn was like yeah. <laughs> a big travel debacle and needing to make an unexpected trip to the Las Vegas airport in the middle of the night. And my suitcase not getting there until Friday night, but Justin, you were very nice about lending me clothes. And then we did a little <laughs> suitcase recovery effort at the regional Monterey airport at 10 p.m. on Friday. And thankfully, it was a success. <laughs> I think Rose for me was definitely just, as always, getting to spend some time with the McLaren people. Everyone is just so friendly and nice and smart and good at their jobs. It's just amazing getting to see. We've talked about this so much of kind of the size of race teams and how it really is a huge operation beyond the driver, even beyond the pit crew or the garage crew or the traveling team. And there's just so many awesome people in the organization. I I don't have a thorn except for the fact that Sarah was delayed. We had to try to keep track of her and we missed her for a little bit. Um, My rose, oh, there's so many. Sarah, yours was good. I'm going to add that Tiggy's family came, which was really cool. And like, I think we also felt this too, but we were all experiencing Indy for the first time. And it's cool to be learning something new. 
Yeah, I definitely felt that in terms of the newness. Yeah, it was definitely a rose for me that I got to have some of my family members come to the race on Sunday because they've never been to an F1 race. They don't know a ton about motorsport. And Indy is definitely different than F1, but it gives you a good taste of motorsport and the experience overall. So it was just so cool to have my family see a little bit of that and uh, like 100% echo Sarah about spending time with the McLaren team and also the Indy team. They were just so friendly and fun and welcoming. So felt like part of the Indy family. And yeah, Thorne, I don't really have one either, to be honest. I guess I'll just bandwagon onto Sarah being late. <laughs> it's quite the debacle. <laughs> Overall, we just really suggest that you all check out the Indy schedule for next year when it comes out. Look to see if there's races in your area or races that you could get to in the U.S. or maybe connect with another trip. They have some really interesting, fun locations like Nashville and in Florida and Portland. So definitely check that out because it just felt overall like such an accessible, awesome way to get to see some great racing. And with that, let's jump into our Singapore Grand Prix preview. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but there's only eight races left this season as we head into the Singapore-Japan doubleheader this race is pretty brutal. Um, the drivers have been definitely really hard at work training these past two weeks. And I think as far as training goes, I think this race is like the benchmark for a driver's fitness level of what they have to achieve. So they're definitely getting ready. For the circuit, it is a heavy downforce track, which can be t- quite tough on the tires if they're not managed well. And to add to that, it's also a pretty bumpy street circuit. So there's a lot to manage here as well as, well as the heat and the night race aspect of it. In the past, this track has been known for having lots and lots of turns, but this year there have been some pretty big updates. So Sector 3, which is quite twisty, is now going to feature a lot of slow right-angle corners, and the entire section between turns 16 and 19 is being straightened out to create a mini straight, which is kind of a nice win for the cars that can win on the straight line speed. So that's a big change. Um, And based on simulations, laps could be up to eight seconds faster and could open up a lot more opportunities for overtaking. So ultimately, the race could come down to the cars who are most able to compete in wheel-to-wheel battles. So the Red Bull will look strong there. And anyone who's had experience in Indy with the wheel-to-wheel action. (laughs) (laughs) And the Grand Prix will be testing the use of a renewable fuel made from vegetable oil to power its generators, which is exciting. So This is great since as a night race, they've used a lot of energy in the past to power all the lights, and they're also switching to LEDs, which should use 30% less energy. So love to hear that. And overall, this race, I think you've probably seen on social media, the drivers posting about kind of doing cardio in these uh, kind of sauna suits or in heated rooms to get ready. It's just so physically taxing with how hot and long of a race it is. And one thing that's so interesting about this race is – the timing component. So we're talking to some of the McLaren people about the time zone issue. And one of their big partners is Hilton. So they will keep, I don't know if they either have the entire Hilton or a few floors of the Hilton, they will keep that part of the hotel on European time in terms of lighting and everything. So they try to get up around lunchtime and then stay up really late to make the adjustment a bit easier, which is so interesting. Um, To talk about last year's race really quickly, the race had it all. That was something that we had in all of our, like, finishing thoughts about the race. It had rain delays, crazy weather, the tire strategy to match, 
safety cars, many, many DNFs. I think it was six. And in the end, Checo came out on top here, King of the Streets once again. So it was it was a great race. For the teams, Red Bull, Max made comments this week that he isn't as confident going into the race as you'd expect given his 10 race winning streak. I'm just going to call sandbagging on that. For sure. has never won here before, only finished seventh year last year. He is so far ahead that he's about to lap people in points. He's very close to claiming the title. If he wins this weekend, his only last threat to the title could be Checo. He also commented that Checo might be a tougher component here since he's so great on street circuits. He also won here last year, as we mentioned. So Checo is definitely vying for a good race, vying for pole. He thinks uh, that's crucial for locking in the win, whereas Max believes he doesn't necessarily need pole given the increase in possible overtaking zones with the new layout. So we'll see. Checo, it would be great to see uh, Checo pull out of his mid-season slump there. Checo, as we know, is second in the championship and definitely wants to keep it that way. Alonso and Lewis are only 49 and 55 points behind, respectively. So more than they can get done in one race, but they're definitely coming up on his heels. Yeah, that's pretty close. For Ferrari, with tire day being a major factor here, as we mentioned, odds are not really in Ferrari's favor, but they have second place in the constructors in their sights, so they're definitely not going to let up after their big podium at the home GP at Monza. And for Mercedes, they're optimistic about this weekend. I think the car will do much better here than at Monza since the setup for Marina Bay relies more on high downforce and grip. And Mercedes also has done well at other high downforce circuits this year, like Barcelona, Budapest, on board. So we can't wait to see what kind of challenge they can bring here. Maybe we could have a surprise podium or pole. Ooh, I would love that. That would be exciting. And they are currently second in constructors. Neither driver has had a podium since the British Grand Prix in mid-July. So definitely they are trying to keep ahead in this constructors battle with Ferrari and Aston Martin. For Alpine, they had a pretty rough weekend at Monza. I think they're just going to be looking to put that behind them. This track should also favor their setup a little bit more compared to Monza. So all good things. Gasly has scooped up points in his last two races when he was in Singapore, like the last two years. So he'll want to continue that trend. For McLaren, they're also a favorite here to challenge Red Bull in addition to Mercedes, given, again, like the high downforce nature of the track. Uh, one thing that they that they have struggled with this season is competing at some of the warmer races. Uh, Singapore is notoriously hot, so we'll have to see them manage that really well if they want to come out on top. And this will be a tough race for baby Oscar since he's never driven this track, but we are rooting for him. For Alfa Romeo, Joe will be looking to get points this weekend for sure since his seat is yet to be locked in for next year's season, so look out for his performance this weekend. For Alpha Tauri, they are bringing big upgrades this weekend that take a page out of Red Bull's book and try to integrate their winning kind of ground effect concept, which many teams like Aston Martin, McLaren have been narrowing in on a bit throughout the season. Danny does not look like he'll be coming back definitely this race, and we'll see about next race. So this will be Liam Lawson's third F1 race this season. He has beaten Yuki in both of the last two races and almost got points in Monza, so really want to see him do well and see what he can do. 
I guess the question here is what we think about the different seat options at AlphaTauri. We have three drivers potentially in the mix. So we could see Yuki Danny as kind of was expected. We could see uh, Danny Liam potentially, or we could see Yuki Liam. So what do you guys think about the, the different permutations there? I think Yuki will keep it. Um, and I also expect that it'll be Danny. I think Liam's doing really well, but I think Danny was already a favorite for the seat and he just really has the advantage of experience and being a multiple Grand Prix race winner on his side. And I think when you view Yuki as kind of a younger driver, they're going to want an older, more experienced hand for the other seat, especially since Yuki can be kind of a bit unpredictable or temperamental at times. I think it could help on the team and help as an example for Yuki to just have a really experienced older driver. I'm sure that's kind of part of the thought process. Um, I'm also just a big Danny fan. I really hope he keeps the seat. So this also might be wishful thinking, but I think based on some comments the team and Red Bull have been making recently, I think it'll be Danny's for 2024. Yeah, I think it just comes down to what AlphaTauri wants. Do they want a driver pairing, like Sarah said, with someone who is a little bit more experienced? Do they want to have young guns all the way? Who knows? I mean, I'm not going to say – never say never to Yuki not being there in 2024, but I do think in the end it will probably be Danny and Yuki. I would be very surprised if Yuki lost his seat. Um, Agreed. But I definitely would not uh, count out Liam for the second seat there. We'll see how he does. Woo-hoo! Liam and the points, manifesting that for him this weekend. Um, To round out some of the last teams, Haas, they have tire wear issues similar to Ferrari, so this might not be their best race, so we'll have to see on that. And Aston Martin, they decided that this is their race that they want to win this year. Um, I can't wait to see them just throw everything they have at it to make a real fight for podium. This car does perform really well on a high downforce track like like Marina Bay, so I think we should expect them to be pretty competitive all weekend. For Williams, so while they've struggled with downforce a bit this season, maybe the addition of that mini straight could favor some of the surprising straight line speed that they've shown at points throughout the season. They have been really strong. Albon, of course, has been on top form, gotten points at both back-to-back races since the summer break. Logan will be looking to compete as his seat is not yet finalized for the 2024 season, and he's had a bit of bad luck, a string of bad luck in terms of getting points, but we're feeling it's going to be happening soon. The team is now ahead of Haas and Alfa Romeo for seventh in constructors as well. So fingers crossed for them. All right. On to hot takes for the weekend. What do we have? Mercedes, Mercedes on podium. Checo will win. And I think the team will help him that help him with that because they also want him to like cinch his P2 position in the championship. So when you say, help him with that like help him with that over max or help him with that in general like if it came if i don't know if there was team orders and something was going on i feel like they would let checo take it this hard race. disagree hard disagree on that i don't know <laughs> i feel like max is so far ahead that if they could boost their other driver as well all the way up i definitely do think red bull's never had a one two before and despite all their success like vettel having that record and then max having this record they have never had the one two And I think that is something that's really important to them. So I could see – yeah, I don't know in in what form or way they would help Checo, but I could see in this back half of the season maybe just trying to see if there's a way they can make that happen. 
yeah, I don't think that would be like in favor of Checo over Max though. But anyway, for my hot take, I'm going to say Albon top five. Hopefully like it. That their, hopefully their car performs well this weekend. And I know I said this last race, but I'm going to uh, also say throw in there Liam's first points. Love it too. I'm going to say a surprise podium. I'm trying to think of who I'll categorize as a surprise, just not Ferrari, Red Bull, or Mercedes. Someone else up there, I think, with kind of the high down force nature of the track and also some of these track changes and the team being a team's a bit being a bit less experienced in that third sector now. We'll see. Maybe someone can show up this weekend. Might be Alonso. <laughs> Ooh, let's go. Someone wanted to get real crazy. They should do Alonso win, but I don't know. I'm not feeling not feeling that okay. wild. <laughs> you just said it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up on some news this week. So the FIA has been tightening some rules this weekend in response to suspicions that teams might be manipulating the flexibility of their front and rear wings for aerodynamic advantages. So basically now the new rule, the FIA is mandating that all components are rigidly secured and immobile. And to enforce that, they're requiring teams to submit detailed drawings and cross sections of their cars, which I'm sure they will keep under lock and key, I hope. <laughs> For the second piece of news, so Helmet Marco, in very unfortunate news, once again has made some unacceptable comments last week about Checo, which seemed to blame his Latin heritage for his lack of performance this season. We have heard this before from him, tragically. He's walked them back and has acknowledged that he did not mean what he said, but it's just so disappointing that that even enters into the conversation or into the equation in any way at all. And it's really, there's no excuse for it. So I, I really hope that this comes to an end. Last piece of news. All 10 teams came under the cost cap for 2022 and received their certificates of compliance. So hooray to no drama this year. Well done to all the teams. And with that, we will talk to you on the other side of Singapore.